Hey y'all, my name is Corey and I'm here with my wife Shauna. We are the hosts of the Us First That podcast. Join the conversation. Sometimes just hitting record is the hardest thing. I think we battle a lot right before we press play a lot of times. And I see it as to kind of go back to what we've talked about with, you know, Jordan Peterson and this idea of chaos and order. there is this sense of chaos that happens right before we start. I don't know if it's because we're, you know, we know we're putting ourselves out there or it's using our voice in a different way or talking about things that we're still trying to understand ourselves, but Sometimes it's not always easy for us to just hit play. And right now is just one of those times. Yep. this even like just like struggling to find words half the time to respond in ways that are following this you know good trees bear good fruit bad trees bear bad fruit even down to like the speech level so like if you understand how words impact And then that that word becomes a root of a, let's just say an echo. It becomes the starting point of an echo. And that gets to go off and do all sorts of good things and bad things. And then knowing if you're about to start a conversation, have a conversation, or you're coming from an interaction that just like wasn't very fun and the majority of your things you recognize are going to go off to just bear more bad fruit. Yeah, I think it's when we're reckless with our words. And I think our our past has many times caused us both, but I'll speak for myself here, caused me to be reckless with my words and language to intentionally hurt 
and or to manipulate a situation into my own desire of winning or coming out ahead, I guess. And I think that as we've been on this journey and have learned and are learning and putting into practice what we've learned, the words become less reckless, more truthful, um, and oftentimes loaded with meaning and weight of feelings and stories. And it's just interesting to me that it comes out a lot of times right before we're going to hit play. And I think... Record. Or record, yeah. something I'm noticing. We got new microphones that are kind of just a throw on and go situation, which was something that I felt like was missing from the podcast prior to this is we had what we had and we were making it work, which was great. Um, but I think the more that we've grown and shifted and learned about ourselves, we've had to see what maybe would work better for us and what feels better. And I think bringing in that authenticity, even though it's not always fun to share, it's also real, and sometimes we argue right before we press record. Most times. We argue a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but I think also it just another look, It also looks a lot different now, though. Yeah. Arguing looks a lot different. But, interestingly enough... It's like a fighting we, for each other. We also like clearly, yeah, and I think we clearly recognize that we do have like verbal boundaries. Like we've, we've, we've had these conversations enough times to like understand where I think ultimate boundaries lie. Even when we s still do just like lash out and speak from places of frustration and, and hurt. And then that's like lashing out in almost anger. So like you're trying to do the same in kind. You know, if someone hurts you verbally, it's a pretty, un I would say a pretty understandable response to lash out in the same. So much of us, I think, still runs on just like such old programming, you know? 
where like it, it makes sense that it makes sense to me that you know you would lash out or try to hurt or with words and that and that this seems kind of like ridiculous but being being smaller in in this world operating in this world you know as a as a female and just being smaller physically there's this sounds so ridiculous I don't want to say ridiculous, but I don't I don't know how to like really word it the best way, but like you physically weaker uh, trying I know I'm, I'm I mean I am. Well, but over time that know, develops like different tools, right? So like women or like younger girls will be mean socially. Um, using words. They're going to use words to hurt their enemies, where boys are more likely to like fight, wrestle, and play it out in a physical way. So, like, that tool was developed. Yeah. You know, like the, over the, time. right. Like a, like a natural response to fear. You know, me, my hands are going to get a little clammy and my, you know, I'm going to start looking around for doors. <laughs> you know, that's like my, my first response. I think this, um, going back to like young girls, like that's, yeah, I, I was thinking about this, um, earlier this week actually about some of my own struggles with mental health and where they seem to have come into my life um, and it, like what just trying to better understand what was going on in those times that caused me to see see the struggles as a struggle with mental health and I remember in the middle school, I just really remember spending a lot of time in the, like with the therapist in middle school. And not just me, like with a lot of other like girlfriends, you know, like there was just a lot of like cattiness that happened. And, and I think as women, you know, or as girls at that age, like that was enjoyable for me to help have someone help facilitate, you know, the, these emotions and these things that come up. Um, but also it, it almost made it cool. Like it almost made it cool to get to leave class and to go down to therapy. And then I felt like that just really normalized it for me. It made it very, and, and not that I don't want therapy to feel normal for people, because I think that's something that culturally has been really taboo. And I think there's a lot of people that use, you know, use these types of therapies to heal. And, I, and there's nothing wrong with that. And it's, it's perfectly okay. Um, 
but normalizing it from a young age that you know in the sixth grade seventh grade like I mean that's pretty easy living at that age for me my experience of it was pretty easy living and so to then suddenly have these interactions with therapists and kind of feeling like I was thrown into the idea of easy living though came can also come from hindsight yeah and know. I'm and I'm speaking to just my own yeah. experience but here. at the time like understanding kids going through you know that that's that school was going through like serious I would say traumas quite frequently you know, Would you so, like to expand? What, what well, there mean? was a lot of, there was in in that, and I'm sure this happens often in a lot of places. You know, because I my cousin from another school is going through similar things, but having multiple suicides, having multiple car accidents, or having multiple tragedies within kids growing up, or in that school. looking at it in hindsight and being like easy living I was like yeah but that was some of like the most traumatic for me being in that school that was like some of the most traumatic time right but I wasn't talking about you I was talking about my own specific experience and at that time there weren't suicides going on in, in middle school not in our school so yes I agree that we combined had really challenging years a little bit later on in life but my interpretation of my age in sixth grade and in the seventh grade was relatively easy living. Yes, I was challenged with things that come up in middle school. But what I'm saying is I felt like the weight of those things was escalate. Escalate is probably not the right. The weight of it was made heavier because of this normalizing of going into the the therapist's office and it felt very safe and comfortable and and then I just felt like when I didn't want to do other things that's what we, we would just go down there you know it was mm -hmm. like another it gave me the ability to check out on stuff that I was just less interested in like personally now knowing myself with hindsight now of of 31-year-old me is, of course, able to see that sixth grade me wanted to spend time in a dark room talking with other ladies. Like, that's, that's who I am. Like, I understand that. But it made that environment very safe. But I also didn't ever really... F I, I felt like some of the things I was struggling with were just intensified because I was going there. Like, my sense of struggling because with my were... own mental health or my own thoughts of depression and anxiety like those I don't I don't know if I would have been able to use that language I feel like someone's saying wow you're you you're acting this way or you're hanging out with these people that are struggling with these things right just naturally made me want to be a part of it and I think that's that's culturally a that's a struggle that was a struggle is I wanted to be part of the cool kids 
and a lot of the cool kids, a lot of people were just experiencing probably a safety net that came from having these services in our school and having a great therapist there also helped, you know, I think she helped a lot of people. But it's just something that I was like reflecting on is seeing the world as a mirror. You know, I, I've really come to see my life that way and life in general. Um, and allowing that mirror to teach and to educate and to get curious about myself more. And, and I just am curious about this time in my life that made some of these other things more normalized and more cool kid jump on the train type of environment than maybe what was really there. Hmm. Yeah, high school Corey, I think, really checked out hard. I try to hug that kid a lot. And the crazy part is like we see reflections in it getting worse all the time. Like that's, that's what as an adult now experiencing, I would say youth or like the, the, the coming of age in, in a, in a post COVID high school world and then also seeing the conversation around mental health and then certain number, you know, every, everything's about the numbers these days. So people are doing their research and when the, the suicide numbers aren't any better, you know what I mean? Like it's only gotten worse, apparently. And I say apparently because I, I don't know. I didn't do the research, so, but hearing, knowing how normalized the conversation around mental health is getting and um, health, uh, a healthier lifestyle and like health coach, ho coaches and this idea of consulting and um, helping someone to, that knows how to listen, my goodness. What a tremendous skill. You know, that that's what it's going to take getting, I would say getting, getting through this, the, the mental health piece. And I don't think, I don't think that side's going to get any easier. So like when I picture my time in high school and the conversations that were being had or the lack there of my listening to probably the reality of the situation. Um, one, I recognize that I, for the most part, probably checked out. I really stopped caring early about a lot of things and that's not good. You know, that's definitely not good. It's not a good way to go about it. Caring less doesn't make things better. 
you know, but then I just like driving past that high school still like I'm just like man hopefully the kids are doing all right you know ho hopefully everyone in there is doing all right because like it's it it like shaped a generation of kids out of this town and really probably not necessarily for the better for the first little while it made a, I probably made a lot of people grow up real quick And I'd argue that our, if you're, like our climate, just the climate changes that that will make you grow up fast around here. You know, you gotta understand that you don't get to be outside very long and this cold will do, it'll wreak havoc on your body, you know? And I think you just kind of learn to understand that at a young age. Yeah. Young Corey, the services we had at school were nice. They were nice. Yeah, I I, I definitely didn't utilize them or, tr or probably treat treat too many people too well during that, but I did um I've had a lot of feelings about high school me as well. But one of the main things, one of the main struggles I had with um, the school we went, not even just the school we went to, but when I went through coaching certification and was introduced to open-ended questions, which is really what coaching is all about. Um, We're just having a conversation for that matter. Right. You know. So when I was introduced to them, it was like such a no-brainer because it was making me think and it made me have to draw up the conclusion to the question instead of trying to memorize things which up until that point was how I've understood <laughs> the world like I I'm definitely not a strong student in that way going to class and taking notes and then do, like it just was not my style of learning and so I didn't really feel like I should have been in college, honestly. Um, so as I, I started understanding coaching, like when I was maybe 25 or 26 or something, and it always made me question if I would have been asked better questions when I was 17, 18 years old, out on my way out of high school if the questions that I would have been asked would have been harder questions that would have required me to think and would have required me to learn how to trust myself trust what came up trust what was there which is a hard skill and one that I'm still you know still learning and practicing and will continue to practice but I always wondered that if if coaching questions were admitted into this like 17, 18 year old guidance counselor phase, what would that, what would that do? And would the kids, 
would kids find other solutions? Because I think for me, if, if someone would have, if I would have been able to become a coach then, granted, I, I understand there's different levels and skills and time and trust every, my path has led me exactly where it needed to be. But for other people that maybe are more built like me, they know they want to serve, they know they have a heart to serve, um, because that was, I always knew I wanted to help people. That was all I knew. I, I couldn't go any deeper than that. But if those questions maybe would have been asked, I might have had a little bit more clarity than that maybe coaching could have been an avenue for me. And again, different time, different period. I'm, I'm trying to use an example for me that could be relative now. Um, yeah, I, I think developing that, that like vision for your future through question and answer when we're younger definitely would have a massive impact on direction but also like who who we are at that time of hearing that question like did we have ears to hear then you know I'd, are you are you recognizing yourself of like making that an honest in like if you're gonna put into practice that question with the knowledge you have about life and everything then you know, I don't even trust me to listen to that advice. You know, that that's the strange part. Even if I got like the advice, the the thing that would completely change a trajectory, you know, if I got that in high school, I probably would have just been like, Yeah, okay, man. I'm not I'm not exactly giving myself credit for having ears then. Yeah. Well, that's fair. You know, but I so, also felt like they kind of gave us three paths. Like, okay, you go to school or you don't. And then, okay, if you do go to school, you go this way or you go yeah, that, that way. that work smarter, not harder poster that was in the hallway in my school is really, really something these days. Like, I remember when that was like a huge like campaign of work smarter not harder go to colleges go you know and and it was wild because like advertising went through the roof and then it wasn't the yeah i don't know it, it just seemed what a line well i remember people like i remember hearing out. my yeah, I remember hearing guys I was around then being like, man, this is kind of crazy because, like, what happens when all these guys retire? You know, I'd, that's what my guy, my dad's, my dad and his friends, what they were talking, like, being around them when I was that age. Because I was working. Like, I was one of the guys. I was always with my dad and his friends. If I was out with them and you were kind of ch just, like, choring around. And hearing those guys talk working for big construction companies and say the same thing like i don't know who's going to come on here and take the place but these kids that we got coming in now it's going to be tough but all all unfortunately the conversation then really kind of stopped at i have a really hard time taking directions from a kid straight out of college that comes in thinking he knows better like, I remember hearing that plain and simple. Like, who do these younger guys think they are? 
coming in and getting these positions that are above them on the, the hierarchy, the chain of command in said company. But like say those college kids went to school for like a brand new design program that's gonna revolutionize architecture for that company. They're not a laborer, they're not that guy. You know, they're not that dude. But there was a divide right there in that culture. And arguably, it was, it was probably already always there. That's just one that I really took notice to, is having a, having a hard time being like, okay, where, what does this pyramid look like, and, and how does someone come out of you know, get that job out of college and, and do that, and then why is that guy upset because he's doing things that he's not doing, but I don't know. But also recognizing that they weren't having, like, people fill in their spaces below them to come up and, like, carry some of the weight. You know, you see that in all sorts of service companies, all sorts of trades. Yeah, that poster, Smarter Not Harder, man. but also totally devalues hard work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It does. And not that there can't be hard work in someone that's also working on a computer. You know, like I, I, I get that I, and I can see it. It's just different, totally different skills. And I think we've yeah. watched how those two things have played out in our own life too. And then, like, those home lives are very different, too. Uh, well, uh, I guess the way I would see them. I've, only, I've spent my time in the trades. Not so much on, like, the tech side. Yeah, but probably spending time in homes. Right. Yeah, yeah, oh people, yeah, yeah, for sure. And recognizing, yeah, recognizing just the the differences in people and and what we're good at and what we're not good at. You know, that that was like the one thing one of the things that really like drove me crazy and uh a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, I don't know. It's recent history. There was that big like learn to code thing. It was like 2016. There was there it was like specifically speaking to like mining towns that were getting shut down because like the coal industry was going away and of course like politically Trump's over here saying like, oh coal, we can get our some of these industries back. That would be beneficial for America in some of these towns that most people never even care to think used to be there. You know, and then, so they were talking to these people like, we need, we need these jobs back in our coal towns. And everyone's like, coal, you know, what the hell? And you, you know, like even Dave Chappelle made a, made a joke about it, you know, which joke was stellar. But the point being is it, it hit, it hit pop culture to the point where this, 
I think it was hashtag learn to code. I'm not quite sure, but I think that was, it was trending, but I think it actually got, um, do they shadow it? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not in that world enough, but they, it, it was this big thing. And it was like, well, tell all the people over there that don't have those jobs. We need people to learn to code more, code computers and work on tech. It's like, what? Do we recognize like what that even is and like how ridiculous that is? Well, oh, you 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 don't have the job anymore because of that. But learn to learn to code, and I I I get what they're probably trying to say was like, how can we encourage everyone in your space that lost the one industry that made that town a town? How can we encourage people to learn something else to flourish as a community? I'm sure that's exactly what they meant. But what they said was this like pandery, learn to code, like, why aren't you smarter? <laughs> it's like, yeah, all right. That, that's, a, that's a good way not to just like throw a huge wedge into an already large divide of understanding between cultures. Yeah, they're definitely not like trying to smooth things. Over. No, 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 no. And and it's this, it's this Which work smarter, not harder. Be smarter, don't work harder. All right, but like until when? Until when? Until and like, you rely what? on us. <laughs> yeah. And then what? Yeah, right, right. Now you don't even know how to work hard. Now you don't even know how to do the basic things that like you would think that a being that made it made it as far as we did into our understanding of a timeline that we would know how to do certain things but like those all went away and a lot of well not all but like basic skills of of things we talked a lot about this 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 idea of having to be self-sustainable but also like the one thing that we, we had this idea of self-sustainability for a while and and it was pushing us kind of in this forward movement um, and then when we got to experience living off the land truly like through food I mean, I think that totally changed our perception of what is required to live. What do you need for survival? What, what are the skills that we do have? What are the skills we don't have? What do we, you know, like we started taking inventory of like, do I know how to make bread? <laughs> you know, like, do I actually know how to do these things? Um, sewing some of our clothes like the, these skills that like our grandparents had to do and and knew how to do and probably taught our parents to do them and then there was this like huge convenience you know wave this timeline that just allowed for convenience and ease yeah we and had to keep people in the factories you know america sure. was cranking when they would come out of In and out of war times, the way we were forced generations to do things differently. 
You know, the men go off to war and the women hit the factories. Men come home from war, women are still in the factories. You know, then there's a, a, another culture shift there. Women are in the workplace. And there's a lot of things that, like, led it to that point. But, like, a big part of that was war effort. You know, so you start, like, mixing and blending roles a lot more than what a prior generation prior, did, you yeah. know? Well, and I think you're kind of seeing now the pendulum swing the opposite way of, especially after the last two years, um, you know, being stuck indoors, having, having the time to be able to work on your house and projects and build and homestead and you're seeing how this, the pendulum has gone back to kind of rooting and grounding into the home and, and family. And um, I think there was a pre an appreciation for it that maybe had been missed or had been forgotten um, that we're kind of seeing reviving, you know? And that is really special because I don't know necessarily if, um, you know, I, I, there's, there's gonna be a mix of people that see women that want, there are women that wanna be in the workplace. And then there's also women that wanna stay at home and raise their babies. And I think, again, it's like living in this either or society, you know, like it doesn't, there, there are not two options of, anything right like we have infinite a number of possibilities and experiences and attitudes and outcomes and it gets to be how you want it to be ideally this is god being like yeah but you're going to follow my you know you're going to follow what i desire for you but just because you want something doesn't mean that someone else that wants something differently is wrong either. It's just what's right for them and you get to have what's right for you. Um, but yeah, kind of seeing how that's coming back, you're watching a lot of women that are, are now pushing back on not wanting to go back because they desire to be in the home and to be able to yeah. help craft that. And Same thing on the on the male front or I would say a lot of these male dominated industries I heard um, this morning that in the next year we're going to be looking at like a truck driver shortage of around like 80 to 100,000 drivers like what that's because they're all in Canada <laughs> <laughs> well it's it's something to like pay attention to because there's already there's already a, places in this country that are experiencing food issues, you know, and there's places in this country that have severe water issues. There's a lot of big, well, yeah, there's a lot of factors playing into this, but then you got dads also coming that were in these industries that were like, ah, I don't want to go back. 
made some cool investments. They, they, you know, who knows what people are doing, but also like dads aren't going back either or choosing differently. You know, it, it's not just as simple as like all these people that are unemployed are just unemployed because they're sitting on the government's dime. Like we don't, we don't build bridges to getting back to a successful economy by like blanket statement blaming that many millions of people into why they're not working for the system that you're working for. <laughs> yeah, the, the blanket statements is something we've been working on. It's, you know, just it's hard trying. to notice how many of them there are and how many of them that we just like f use and it's like wait 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 what does that mean yeah what does that even mean you know what are we saying you know and that brings me to you asked me if i had a topic about today and i wrote down being a follower and, and what does that mean and I wrote an active player in the mission mm. because like, even if you follow, like if you're a follower that there's action there, there's action in the following. Mm. And if not, like, are you following? And what does action look like? You know, seek him, serve him, thank him. How do you do that throughout your day? and are also like the best player possible for you within your immediate community. And how far can you expand that out? Hmm. And if you're not attempting to do that to the best of your ability, are you a follower? answer yes and no <laughs> i mean just asking I, the question of are you a follower goes against like so much mm -hmm. of what i've yeah, learned right. about who i need to be in this life which has been a leader which is the opposite of a fo well not in the same it, it rung quite different in my head when you said it that way because a true follower is slower and going to listen and is going to take going to take the steps that are laid out in front of them where Sometimes being a leader can also feel like running around like a chicken with your head cut off. Trying to prove that you are the best and you are the, the one that everyone else should be following. But the idea of are you a follower with this sense of looking at, at Jesus to lead, what is a true follower look like and how do you embody that
I think it's total surrender, you know, like surrendering to the unknown and um, we were talking yesterday about, you said, um, we talk on the TV or the news a lot about how they, they never really talk about the future. We only talk about the past and we dig up the past as, as much as we can and then we keep talking about it for five more days and then we keep digging it up. And yesterday you said something like, you know, why aren't we, well, it's too hard to look to the future or something like that. And we had this discussion about fear not really living so much in the future mm-hmm. because you, if, you, if you're so stuck in, the, in fear, it will keep you it will keep you in the past because the past feels safe. It feels comfortable because at least then I know the feeling that I'm avoiding. It's there. You don't, you haven't probably like made face to face contact with it yet, but like you have that story, you know, ready to be tapped into if you, yeah, if you yeah. need to. But it's scary to look at it, but it's less scary to not be able to stay back in that. It's like, it's more scary to have to like propel yourself forward into the unknown completely. But also the news isn't gonna speak about that because they want us, that they, it's the fear that's being yeah. fed on. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a low resolution Well, I what we were what we were speaking on were like the political ads that were coming on during the news. And it was always like look at what this guy did in the past. Um and I think there's 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 some merit to that. Like if something's like very 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 egregious, it's like just look at what they did at this one point. Just one point, and I think a consensus would kind of normally be made of like, ah, oh, yeah, that's probably not like our best move. I think we could, we, there's something, there's something more there. But the, the ads have just seem to be just about the past, never about anything that like, this is how we can solve it. They're not like an answer. We're giving some answers here. We're going to show you how we're going to lead the way. And now when I see it, I'm like, oh, it, you just don't even believe in the public uh, enough to be smarter than what you're feeding them. Mm. Because like you're, you're feeding them just like really, really low resolution ideas. And I don't think. And if you're not uh, paying a close attention, because we, we were talking about this. People um, are drawn to a deeper thing. Even so, like even even a, a little. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off with this, but just. Uh, it just it's so. It just doesn't seem like they're giving anybody any credit for being able to take a little bit of time or just to have their own ideas or thoughts. I think that's going to be a massive misfire. And like we saw it on But that. like we've never also had a culture that 
is a thinking culture. Yeah, but but that's okay. We, they, it's not like they encourage us to think. It's not like they encourage us to think for ourselves. That that was not the case. That's not how we learned, right? It's going yeah, back no. to this idea it, of open-ended questions. Yeah, we're indoctrination nation here. <laughs> it's like, yeah. But also... <laughs> indoctrination nation. Yeah, um, it's... Isn't it? I... <laughs> I heard... A physician speaking, um, and he said, "A massive tell of a tremendous failure of our collegiate systems was the fact that not a single nursing hospital had a unique idea, or not a not a single um, hospital, um, a college not a college hospital like a like a university." Yeah. But okay. the ones, uh, yeah, I don't know how, what their formal terms are. Sorry, hospitals. But apparently nobody had, like, a unique idea. Mm -hmm. It was once, once we could be offered a single solution, that that was the solution everyone switched their brains to, and critical thought just went out the window. I don't know if that's true, but like I can, I could see that being possible. I don't see why not. You well, and I think it just goes to show like us desiring trust. We want, we want to be able to trust people. Right. So when something smells a little untrustworthy, does it, what's it smell like now? Do you notice it more now? Is it more egregious now? Like when you were like, that's not even... A, it's hard to tell. It's like, has it, like, even like the news, has it always been this bad? Or like, can we just see it now? Or is it a combination of both? That like now we're just kind of seeing between the lines? Or have they always been trying to pull one over on us like this? <laughs> because some of the shit we listen to now, I'm like, excuse me, what? What was that? What was that ad right there? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, the pharma ads are fun. Those those ones are exciting yes. to watch. Oh, I want to talk about this yeah. one. Oh, I was so mad the other night because I don't care what the medication was called and it doesn't matter, but they it was a mental health medication is what it was advertised as. So they were talking about how a man needed to get on this medication because he had shaky hands and someone else needed to get on the medication because um, they had suicidal thoughts and there was one more. So these were, these were the patients. It was a side effect medication, right? This. Yes. So, okay. Yes. Sorry, I forgot about that. So it was, there were two medications. So this ad was the side effect medication for the other medication causing suicidal thoughts, shaky hands, and one other thing. All symptoms of a, a mental disorder. Shaky hands, so all these are, these are symptoms. This is, this is okay, yep, you, you might have a mental health 
issue if these are some of these symptoms. But no, this medication was instead telling you that if, if your actual medication was causing those things, then you needed to have this secondary medication to take, on, take top. on top of your medication that still wasn't solving your mental health issue. It was such a backwards thing. And, and we lived on the road. We haven't had really a TV. If we watch TV, it's Netflix most of the time. So seeing an ad like that, and then also seeing, I mean, every other ad is just just as ludicrous. But instead of them trying to actually help you with the mental health issue, instead we've now prescribed two different medications to try to help alleviate these symptoms that are clearly not being solved with the, med the medication. Happiness brought to you by Pfizer. <laughs> it makes me sick. It makes me sick because... If happiness by Pfizer is making you sick, take happiness supersized by <laughs> Pfizer. Yes, that's the other thing. We watch a show... Just double the amount. Just double the amount. You'll be fine. Yeah. You know, I... It's just I, a mess. It's just a mess. I, I'm really, really curious at what point do people just like full-blown snap to and wonder when are they just gonna start passing out war crimes and crimes against humanity? You know, like at, at what point do people just go like, all right, how many players are actually in this that are causing serious devastation? In the next 20 years, are we gonna, and not that I'm like seeking revenge for people doing really, really heinous things, but you know, there's a lot of people that locked people in their homes for an unfair, safe amount of time, controlled their cities with fear for, you know, for, for really nothing. So this was a fun experiment of how fast people could be subdued. But if, if anybody's paying attention, like, people have had enough. Mm. And, and it was funny because Inside Edition last night, which it was just on, you know, it, it, it's, I didn't seek it out. It was just on. And, and it's on a lot in this house. So I have a lot to say about it. But the funny part was they, they tried, it was a scare tactic to show that people that they, oh my goodness, they called them anti-vaxxers. They, they used all the, all the fun little terms, but this guy was going through um, dialysis and like he needed new kidneys. And before he could have his he transplant, yep, he was up to, be, to get a transplant. He was up. And as they're going in, they said, to get the transplant, you have to be vaccinated. And he's standing, he's sitting in his webcam, right? And he's looking right in the camera. And the person goes, and what'd you say? He goes, I'd rather die than get that vaccine. And then they tried to make some comment about how like this guy's ridiculous. Well, they didn't look in his eyes and they were, they were all, they already wrote this guy off. But what does that mean if you're willing to do that? And he was sitting there with his daughter. You know, he's got a family there and his family was shaking their head like, yep. We, we respect that decision. And then there's another story about 
uh, a mom and then a daughter and the husband. So you have the family there and the mom has some serious health issues and she's in for surgery. They were gonna get, she was gonna get a transplant from the daughter, I believe. Yep, uh, liver. Yeah. That's right. And so the daughter was gonna be a part of it and they, and this is all on Inside Edition and they're, they're thinking that they're like showing these people as like the heel. They're trying to show these people of like, look at these dirty, unvaxxed people out there in our hospitals trying to get vac, you know, trying to get our surgeries for the clean people. But we won't give you the surgeries because our states made laws. And they're trying to paint these people in a bad light. But also what they didn't notice is they were all sitting there and like, yeah, we said, we, you're not going to vaccinate us. And, and then they're like, and she died a month, you know, she died. She just died. Or do you he, guys take the blame for yep, that? Yeah, do you take the blame for their death? And they, they both looked right in the camera and said at the same time, no, we don't. We blame the doctors. It was so funny how Inside tried to paint that. Because I saw that and I was like, hell yeah, freedom, freedom. That, what else is there to say? I, I, I don't know what else there is to say at this point. Because if you're on the other side of that, if you don't see that and absolutely you're terrified, you're not paying attention. Healthcare systems are saying, nope, if you don't get this, that that's on you. A lot of people believe that. Yep. No, they wouldn't do that. Doctors wouldn't turn people away. Doctors wouldn't do that because, like, they have that oath. Didn't they sign that oath? Or the other side. What's that of, oath say? The other side of that, which is those people saying, absolutely, they shouldn't get to be in our hospitals. That's right. Fuck what is them. it? What is that? <laughs> what is it? What, what, what's going on with that person? What, what's going on with is... them? Because I know who they are and they're not to be trusted. That's not, that's not an idea that's to be trusted. It's you ugly. do, yeah, it's, it's the Very most, ugly. it's, it's authoritarian as it can be. But also I don't, I don't think that said people see it that way. They don't see themselves as the bad person in their story. And then, like, how do you reconcile to that? Because, like, those people on Inside Edition, they're heroes to me. Like, why, why wouldn't they be? They held so firmly to a belief. Mm. And the guy, the, mm. the guy who was getting the kidney transplant said, it's not... It's not about me. I'm not fighting this for me. I'm not not getting this for me. But if I decide to get it, and this, if I allow them to do this, then what? Like, when, do, when does it stop? Right. And I really respect that. And I think that we experienced that from our one of our friends that we stayed with on the road who kind of said the same thing. Like, hey, it's someone has to put their foot down and... If we don't put our foot down, there it just continues. It continues and continues. Um, yeah, I I got excited. I got excited when I saw it. I really did because I really I I saw how they were getting painted, and anybody that was paying attention was just like, oh my goodness. 
Oh my goodness. That back, it should be that backfired. But a lot of people are also on the side of like, look at those idiots. Look at those dumb people just not doing what they're told. Yeah. It's like, whoa, whoa. What do you mean not doing what they're told? I don't, I don't, where, what happened? What happened? What happened to everybody? Well, people don't like to rock the boat. You know, and I'm not saying that's right. I'm saying it from someone who's recovering, not wanting to rock the boater. <laughs> you know, it's, it's true though. It's, it's very uncomfortable to have differing views and opinions. And I think culturally, you're also watching a mob of people that come and attack anyone that doesn't believe what they believe. And but that is incredibly scary. You know, it's scary to, of course, want to avoid, you know, it makes sense that you'd want to avoid that. But also, like, that was, that, there, that's proof of needing to say something. Yeah. Needing to speak to your beliefs. Right. And, and I think that there's reconciliation that needs to be done on both sides, and we've been talking about this a lot. But there's also the individual that needs to do their own going inward. You know, like, if, if you haven't been willing to have these harder conversations with yourself, then turn around, you know? Like, I'm not having them with you right now. I will have them with you when I feel you've come to them in a place of trying to have a conversation. But I haven't always felt that. And if, if both parties aren't willing to have a conversation, then it's just a waste of energy and breath on the one person that is trying to have have that type of conversation so I don't know you're watching it divide you're watching it split and well, you're Canada made a big statement Canada made a real big statement and it and it's real funny because no other MSN is is carrying it, it it's all internet yeah and they and, definitely know, don't like, want what, you to see exactly what's going right. on and then and the paint the narrative that they're writing and the painter the painting that they're painting picture that they're painting you know some places are lifting all all their stuff um yeah but like i know but what what else i know but you then, know like why do you places, fight this for so long and then suddenly you just it's gone right and then it just like well We have yeah, to at I least know. be willing to like try it, to. It's gnarly because like you got passports here in this country, and they're controlled at a state level and then a county level. What do you mean by that? Where like other places are are much smaller and they're controlled by, you know, a. I think my, 
the thought of it, it's easier in other places to control a larger group of people. Hmm. It's tough in the United States because we're a blend of everybody. And not everybody likes being told what to do for good reasons. And I think a lot of people forgot what those good reasons are, so much so that it's such a team sport that now it's my team needs to win at all costs and they don't realize what they're doing. And what's at stake. And what's at stake. And I just think it's, it's important to like see it on as, as large scale as possible, but then all the way down from, from the collective then down to the in individual. Like what is, we have to understand our part in it yeah. and to know that we play a part. And if you're only identifying yourself with a group, you need to individualize fast. You need to really individualize fast and get away from the group think. It's dangerous. It's very, very dangerous. Yeah. You know. So. And it takes practice. You know, like it does. It's and choice. You know, because there's definitely going to be people that want to just get on the train. Where are we going? Right. And I just don't think everyone is is that way. And um, I believe we're in a period right now that God is encouraging people to repent. Look at your shit. Look at what's going down. Look at how you're reacting to these experiences. Look how you're reacting to people. Look how you're treating people. You know, there is an opportunity for people right now to to acknowledge where they've been wrong and um also make a choice. Yeah. Because, I, because clearly, if you don't make choices, people make them for you. And I'm not exactly... And you not making a choice is a choice. That's right. That's right. It is. Which is hard. That's a hard pill to swallow. But also, it is. But then also, then it goes back to being a follower. Do you make a choice to be a follower or does it choose you? Hmm. Yes oh. and no. <laughs> I like just don't know if I work in obsoletes anymore, you know, like it's, I, yeah, I don't think it's both. It's got to be both. Um, but it, it's like, are you willing to answer the call? Are you willing to answer the call? to follow you know yes you're being asked to follow does, does the response to the call depend on what the call itself is does the response to yeah. the call yeah so if huh okay so <laughs> like witnessing a sunset or having you know you can like experience divine power through enjoying natural natural things on our planet, right? Yeah. You can you can experience divinity within 
the environment that we move with our abilities that we have, like you can really try to experience that level of divinity, right? Through seeing what I would say, maybe like more passive things, like a sunset. Okay. Or having like a near-death experience. Do they elicit different responses in your action to be a follower? I would say yes. Like you have but to no. you have to be an active participant in that you have to be the person that looks up to enjoy the sunset. Yeah, but what So like you have to be the person that chooses to look up one. You have to be the person that chooses to enjoy that experience and and embody enjoyment in that moment. So yes, all of those are choices and I think that, that the the depth at which you experience it what does is it? choice. So the depth so you're making a choice and then you can continue to move into that the depth of that experience, let's say in the sunset in this point, right? You you make the choice to go somewhere to watch it. Then you make the choice to Okay, so does the struggle to meet the, like, does, does anything else build that experience differently? Does it constantly build? Is, it, is your, it always, is it ever, it's of, ever building? Your experience of, what, what is the emotion or the intention behind even going to go watch the sunset? Is it, I feel I have to do this? Is it, I get to do this? Is it, every night me and my husband do this like all three of those experiences wherever you are energetically going into that experience is going to create that experience and so i noticed and if you go into it with the intention of experiencing divinity or experiencing god or the universe that intention going in sets an expectation for the experience? Um, because then it, are you caught up in the expectation? Yeah. Yeah, well you said expectation, I did feel a little like, that was probably not the word I was looking for, but, <laughs> but it's, you're, it's right. So if I have this expectation of having an experience with God. And then there's, what a, is that, there's a normie taking what is a that photo in front of me. <laughs> and what is that expectation? And are my expectations right. realistic? Did I expect something, right? What is an experience with God actually like, right? And how do I, how do I qual quantify that? Sure. And then also what are the, what are the factors of that experience? Like, when we were always watching sunsets and someone walks right by and decides to stand right in front of you. Right. So all of these things are choice. It's my belief now that God desires our full intention in those moments to him. So not connecting necessarily with the nature, but connecting with God who created the nature. Thank you for seeing me through this experience. Sure. And if you don't have that, then the Bible would say 
that's that's where room for idols comes in right so now you've either made the lake or you've made the sunset the idol or you've made the having wine at your picnic or you've made cheese your idol but instead choosing god in those moments of experiencing your human experience but connecting with divinity in that your your choice in that moment is to find God's goodness in that experience. It's really like playing in different worlds. Totally different dimensions. Because carrying that intention that I would say the present moment awareness and then the skill to remain in a moment that's shared on this planet with everyone else and then also know that you are living, uh, we operate on this planet, right? So you're out there, you, you do everything right as far as, right is quotations, <laughs> but you're out there to experience that sunset and then you have that moment where you're like, ah, thank you. You get, you're, you're all grateful. You say thanks. And then someone stands in front of the sun and you feel like the cool hit your face and you're like, you open your eyes cause you know what happened. And then you're back to earth. Like you're back to earth. I think, then, and then it's the interpretation of those moments. How <laughs> right. are and you? And then how do you carry that back here? How do you bring that back to this dimension where you're playing with other people? All while knowing they carry the same divinity within them, but until everyone actively tries to shine their light, you know, be that light, be called to be a light, right? <laughs> until you do that, well, I don't want to say until you do that just recognizing that everybody has their own piece of untapped and unrealized divinity within them. And, you know. and knowing that and remembering that allows a lot of space for patience and compassion and understanding. And I think that goes into this idea of bearing good fruit and, and also you, have to be willing to look at the fruit that you're bearing and that was really hard for me because I so my old Bible was filled with like no cards from other sessions and services I've been to and and it's just interesting because you know our behavior says a lot about us and when I look at all of these that I have and the many many that I threw away um, I can see my desire to learn and to understand in note cards, but also not really practicing listening or hearing or conceptualizing because I've written, I've written the notes. And, and part of my journey and part of my lesson has been to try to understand why I need to take so many notes. Like, what are my notes doing? And do I ser- are they serving purpose? 
what is the reason for them and is it taking me out of being able to just be present and listen and, and hear in the moment? And I think a lot of it for me is the remembering of it is like, I want to be able to remember what I learned, but then I'm really not learning it if, if I need to write it down to remember it instead of like truly learning the concept in the moment. Anyways, so I have only one that I keep around with me and it is, um, it was from a session in Nashville called Faith Like a Child. And I keep this one with me because um, it really, really moved me when we were in the middle of the forest. Um, because I wrote on here, am I good soil? Make me good, use me for gospel. So just by asking that question, am I good soil, required me to have a moment with God to actually reflect on that and understand was I was I in good soil and at the time I don't think that I was and I think the fruit that we were creating was also showing us that um, because we were experiencing a lot there was there was some um, some this question of am I good soil just really resonated in my soul of having to reflect on that often and coming back to it often because you're the only one that's going to know. But in Galatians 5, 22 through 24, it talks about the fruits of the fruit of the spirits, which are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I love being able to come back and, and see sort of how this question of am I good soil is continuing to transform within me and also seeing how these fruits of the Spirit are coming out more and more and more um, through practicing this and through connecting with, um, with God. Um, but some of the notes that were written on here, one of them says, don't assume you are a good soil. Ask the hard questions. Be willing to ask those hard questions of, am I good soil? Am I fruitful? So am I actually sowing the, are the seeds actually rewarding me how I, intended or wanted them and if not am I willing to ask myself am I good am I on good soil um and, and I would and I I love that and I love that that's what we're bringing up because also we were talking today the verse of the day was um Luke six forty five, and I, I don't have my I do have my Bible open actually says the good man out of the good treasure of his heart produces good and the evil man out of his evil treasure produces evil for out of abundance of the heart his mouth speaks mm. so for me like where where does this where does all this stuff where does what what does good soil look like for a human being and this is what we're made out of right now we're made out of bones and skin and muscle tissue and 
and fat, and, but we, we also understand that we have like a living civilization in our stomach. And that living civilization of bacteria creates chemicals and affects our brain. And you know, like we're in symbiosis with our meat suit, hopefully. You know, and, and that's, it's a hard thing to achieve because everybody's suit is different. Everybody's fuel is different. Everybody's chemical makeup is a little bit different. But this idea of like what's good soil, I think it starts with like in the, in the heart, right? Nothing good can come of evil. So like the, the speech, even like thinking, what is this, what is this sentence going to produce? What is the point of this word? Is it a good word or is it a bad word? But not in that like non-nuanced idea of good or bad. That one that's like thought through, like, okay, what does... We've been saying, does, is this helpful or hurtful? Helpful or hurtful. And sometimes you don't know. And sometimes... Sometimes you do know. But criticism... Criticism isn't hurting. And questioning isn't hurting. Like, there's way... We all know the ways that it's like... You could have said that nicer. You know, was that as nice as you could have say, said that? Like, are you trying to be helpful or hurtful? And if, the, if it's still helpful, I'm sorry I did not respond to how that came off like that it sounded hurtful over here I see what you're saying you know then please apologize for being hurtful that's how that conversation would go and if not you know it would be butting heads but you know the knowing that that soil is produced from that thought and if you're conscious of that thought you know where that thought can grow to you can see the echo when it leaves your body mm. And I think we're, we're supposed to pay attention. You know, we're supposed to pay attention to our words. We're supposed to pay attention to how that stuff transforms outside of our body. Because the only way that we interact with our, our world is, you know, it's sight, touch, sound, all, all our senses, you know? So if you want to... I guess I'm shooting, you know, aim high, that kind of thing. Well, for sure, for sure. I, I think I think that there's our perception of our fruit, and then there's also how God and how Jesus see us is very different. Because again, we don't want to acknowledge all the <laughs> all the dirty and sinful behaviors and the shitty things we said about people and the terrible decisions that we made and the mistakes that you know like we don't want to look at that but we are broken people we we are broken people and when we don't acknowledge our brokenness and we don't acknowledge our experiences then we show up to the throne room just like freaking full of blood and you know like we're just messy we're, we're coming to him messy 
and there's a line and I don't know where it is but I'm gonna find it but there's a line that says something like why do you feel the need to come to my throne room um, entangled or something like that and how I how I read that is like like you don't have you you can rec reconcile this prior to then and living out that experience and experiencing God in small moments and experiencing giving him the glory for all the things all the things is is where that depth of that relationship with him comes and i think this focusing on jesus spending more time with jesus and going deeper that's what transforms this soil and transforms the roots and helps to grow the roots um but also this the the fruits of the spirit reading these words like I also thought I was living them out, but I don't know if, like, let's just look at the first word, love. What was the depth of love that I was experiencing? Not that great. I wasn't expressing it. I wasn't feeling it. I wasn't showing it. I wasn't. So the, the more time that I spend in his word and trying to understand and learning that love of emotion, that, that fruit of the spirit gets worked and maneuvered and like allows me to see in what places I wasn't experiencing love. And it allows me to experience the absence of love, right? If I if I want to have love, I need to know what love is, and the, and to be able to truly experience that is also then experiencing what out without it, what it means to not have it, so that now I can nurture more loving relationships and more people that help me feel that in my own life and God will continue to send me those people to help me nurture these fruits of the spirit same thing with joy like was I really experiencing joy to its depth like belly laughing you know not caring what anyone thinks or was I laughing sometimes to fit in and laughing you know like Again, where is the, the root of that emotion, that joy? I needed, to, I needed it to be nurtured into my life and to, be, to feel safe to express it and fa fa or safe to feel it. And I think if you're looking for any sense of, you know, what does this look like in your own life? Like taking, taking these fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control and allowing them allowing Jesus to nurture them into your life and seeing in what ways maybe the fruit is not as ripe or as sweet as you would like yeah I think that's great
I think I try to I try to take that list and every time I stub my toe in the dark <laughs> instead of getting upset I just be like oh that was that was probably me kicking something that I know it was going to be there and I either didn't move it prior or that's like also God getting my attention. Mm. Maybe sometimes he just, he just wants to like tease a little bit, flick you in the ear, you know, get your attention through stubbing of the toe. And instead of me getting mad and then that ruining the first like three or four hours of my day, cause it would, I, I'm, I'm definitely one of, one of those people where something small can snowball into like that day's over. <laughs> you know, <laughs> might as well go back to bed. You know, I can, I can have those moments where a little thing will, will send me there. Yeah. But trying to like change that into, there's no good or bad moments, just moments. And I would like to believe that those moments are just God investigating my life or being in my life. Something that I wouldn't have like chosen for myself just happens and that's divine intervention. Hmm. And it happens so often that a conversation can begin. You know, like I, I spent enough time pruning apple orchards and, and trees and cutting grass and trimming plants that you can either like hate the job that you're doing or you can be like really stoked to eat really great apples mm. in a few months. I was just going to say this line I wanted to read says, and bear fruit with patience. Yeah. Man, because it's not knowing when you love on those trees early and you can, you know, all plants, all gardens, but they all, take patience. All in, they yeah. take, they take you having to nurture them and, and pour into them. And, mm -hmm. and there's so many things that are like absolutely out of our control that we need practice in that. We need absolute practice in that. And it's something that we're, we're losing. And I think we started feeling it when we were down working in Nashville. We, we talked about it for a while as like this culture shift of a drinking culture to a party culture. Yeah. So like you see Nashville being built on music, but then also it got amplified by alcohol. And then as the music and alcohol got more popular, the party culture also invited itself in with all the other industries and rightfully so like it's they have a tremendous thing going but it was no longer about the music and it was about the party it was toxic right but what, toxic for us yes De definitely good. not good for us but what it did was it it amplified so much away from what I would say would be like the intention to like expose people. But it, I guess if the attention is party, which it was, 
Like every space built itself for max capacity. I don't know how I was trying to circle back to that, but definitely noticing the, the cultural shift between like a drinking culture to a, like a party culture. Um, man, I, I feel like I'd, I'm so lost there. I'm so sorry. Um, Can I read a little something? Yeah, sure, please. Really okay. get me out of this, this see funk. If, see if it comes back. Okay, Thank so you. to go back off of this um, sermon, this was by a pastor in Nashville. So the scripture I'm looking at is Luke 8, 4 through 15. In 2015. Um, yep, 2015 is on the heading. Yeah. Cool. April 16th. No, sorry, not April, that's August. It's my birthday. Yeah. Okay. Huh? okay, so um, I just wanted to read this quick. It says, so this is from Luke 8, 4 through 15. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, this is Jesus who said this, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock and as it grew up, it withered away, because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil, and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. When the devil, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on, they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. So the question that he first followed it up with was, which soil are you on? And I think that this is, this would be something that um, people could meditate on and, and spend some time with because it's not about anyone else's interpretation. It's your own personal interpretation of how the Lord is speaking to you within these stories. Um, and like I said, I think for me, I... This question of am I on good soil was worth being asked and it shifted the way I saw and experienced my life and um, 
I keep it in my Bible so that I can kind of keep going back to it. Um, to not assume that I'm in good soil, but that I'm being an active participant in asking that question and going back to it often of, am I in good soil and am I being fruitful and how are these fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, how are they being nurtured in my own life? And in what ways can I continue to let Jesus nurture them in my own heart? That's really amazing. It's really amazing. And those are all really, really great things to aspire to. I think that's a great place to end it. I think so. I think so, too. Although, I do have to tell you. We're going to dinner tonight, and our reservation is at 5.30. <laughs> She's so shocked. It is so early. It does get dark at like 2. You were singing a different tune off camera earlier. I know. But isn't well, like, that funny? I, I, I feel it. like I'm just being welcomed back home and, <laughs> you know, like... <sighs> Dinner at five. <laughs> it's so early. I love it. And yeah, that's all I got today. <laughs> I love you. I love you. Great conversation. Thanks for listening, y'all. Hey, y'all. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Us First That podcast. If you want to support our work and future endeavors, head over to www.patreon.com slash us first that. We'll see y'all next time. <laughs>